You guys having a good year? How about this heat wave, huh? It's unbelievable this weekend. Man, wake up, it's 40 degrees warmer. It's unbelievable. Almost wore shorts today. Good year, though? It's been good for me, man. It's been, uh, it's been great. I've just been having um, a great, great year with the Lord. And uh, I hope that's been the, s- the same for you guys. And, and, uh, and if not, the good news is it's still early, you know, still early in the year. And, and hopefully today will be a challenge to you to, man, let's go for it. Let's go for it with the Lord this year. And, and, and just, man, if, if, if you're not in his word, that you get in his word and you just study and get to know him and spend time with him. And he's just wonderful. These songs that we, we sing, <clears throat> they're truth. It's just, it's true, and, and God is so good, and he's mighty to save, and he's just wonderful and just amazing that we can have this relationship with him through Christ. And so um, encourage you, man, <clears throat> make this year different if, if you need to, um, and just uh, getting into his word and just spending time with him and getting to know him and, and uh, making this year be about him and his glory. But uh, we are in the book of Acts. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16, Um, if you're new with us, uh, we're preaching through the entire book of Acts. We've been going verse by verse, taking a couple breaks here and there, Um, but it looks like we're on target to finish up in June, so right around the corner. Uh, But man, I'm telling you, if you're not familiar with the book of Acts from here on out, it is good stuff. It's really good stuff, so I think you'll love it. But today we're in uh, Acts 16, starting with verse 6. We're going to look through verse 15. And I tell you what, we've been standing a lot, but let's uh, let's stand up as we read the Bible and and uh, uh, read this and follow along with me. I'm going to read from verse 6 through verse 15. It says this: And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So. Setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the treasure that we have in it. We confess that we take it too lightly sometimes. We confess that we don't pay attention to it sometimes. But God, today and right now, I pray for each one of us. Open our hearts just like you did, Lydia. Open our hearts, God, 
Help us to have ears that hear and a heart that understands and believes and give us faith that comes from you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, a couple things from the beginning here. Um, the very beginning uh, where we started off in verse 6 there, it says, um, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And we're talking about Paul and Silas and Timothy. Remember uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about Timothy joining uh, up with Paul and Silas. So we got Paul and Silas and Timothy. And they're going um, further on through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Um, and it says this interesting line here. There's a couple of them we're going to pick out here real quick. Okay, It says, in verse 6, the, the second half of it says, Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, we'll get to that in one second, okay? Because in the second verse, it says similar um, to that. It says, And when they, heard, uh, when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. That's interesting, right? Um, a couple things on this, okay? Um, here's Paul who... We, we, we've seen this reputation in Paul, okay? Um, he's going to go and preach the gospel. That's, that's just what he does. His heart just beats for it. If you read through the letters that he writes to the different churches, you'll find that over and over. It's just, this is, this is what I'm about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the gospel. I'm going to become all things to all people just so that by some chance, some might be saved through what I'm doing. So that some might come to know Christ, so that some might believe, so that some, because of my efforts, might have eternal life because of what Christ has done for them. And so this is his heart. This is his heartbeat. And so when we have these two places where it says he didn't go there, that's abnormal. It's different. And, and, and we have to look at that for a second uh, because what it says is the Holy Spirit didn't allow him. It didn't allow them to go and preach the gospel in Asia. And, and in, in verse uh, 7, it didn't allow him um, to go into Bithynia. They attempted to go there, but it didn't allow him. Now, a couple of things I want to talk about on that real quick. Um, number one, we're going to find out is the Holy Spirit um, kind of directs them on this like 400 mile journey to get to Troas. Okay. Um, usually what we've seen with Paul is, man, he's stopping every single city and he's going to preach. He's going to preach. He's going to preach. And, and, and God's doing these incredible things. But in this case, for some reason, that they don't realize right now, um, the Holy Spirit says no. And, and as they attempt to go these two different places, somehow the Holy Spirit doesn't allow them to do it. And so they must have had this strong sense, right? They must have. That's one thing we can conclude is knowing from what we've seen with Paul, they must have had this strong sense that the Holy Spirit was going to use someone else to preach the gospel in these two places and that definitely the Holy Spirit was saying, you can't go there. Uh, you don't go there. I'm not going to allow you to go there. Uh, the, the, the incredible thing is, if you look at the beginning of 1 Peter, in the very beginning of 1 Peter, what we find out is these two places are areas that Peter was writing his letter. And so there are churches that end up being established in those areas aside from Paul and Timothy and Silas going there. So it's beautiful that if, if, we, if we look ahead in spite of the Holy Spirit not sending them there, he sent someone there. And it's actually Peter who writes the letter to encourage those churches in, in uh, 1 Peter that you can read in another time. But, um, and so for, there's some sense in them that, that God's going to do something else there and they're not supposed to go there. But um, one of the things I want you to notice is how they're being led by the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, all through this, they're just they're just listening and obeying and following the Holy Spirit. If he's saying go, they go. If he's saying stop, they stop. And and from this passage, we don't know how the spirit prevented them. We don't know. Right. Does it say anywhere here how the spirit prevented them from going? It doesn't say. And so we don't want to get caught up in assuming or or coming up with things or anything like that. It's, it's not even a necessary discussion. Somehow the Holy Spirit kept them from going to Asia and somehow the Holy Spirit told them not to go to Bithynia. He didn't allow them to go. And they're listening. They're obeying. They're being led by the Holy Spirit and not just their own desires. Galatians uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit. Now, this is Paul writing to the church in Galatia, okay? He said, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is huge for us. Uh, this is a huge, we got to do this, okay? Because this is what Paul's saying in this passage. If we will walk by the Spirit, then we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's word for word. That's what he says. That's something we should just want to just cling to. If I'm walking, if I'm following, if I'm listening, if I'm obeying, if I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, what Paul's saying is I won't sin. I won't sin. Because the Spirit's not going to lead me to sin. He's going to take me in that direction. He's not going to tempt me to sin. And if I just am like Paul and like Silas and like Timothy here, if I'm just depending on the Spirit, if I'm just listening and being led by the Holy Spirit and His working in my life, then I'm not going to go after those fleshly desires, those earthly desires that I have. It's not going to interfere with with doing things like Paul and and Silas and Timothy are part of here. And that's the thing. If we want to live lives like these men, I think, honestly, if we were to go around and say, okay, let's get to the heart of your follower of Christ. Man, do you desire this? As you see, as you see Paul, as you as you as you watch through the scriptures of of how God uses him in incredible ways and 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 just going down to the heart of he's winning people to Christ. Okay? Aside from all the miraculous things, God's just, just getting to the main heart of it. He's winning people to Christ. The Lord's using him and speaking through him and working through him and doing all these things through him. And people are coming to know Christ. If we were to sit down and say, man, is that what you desire in your life with Christ? I think all of us say, absolutely. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. But here's the thing. If that's going to happen through us, and I really think that it can I think that it could happen through us, but it can't happen through us unless we're being led by the Holy Spirit, unless we're we're doing what Paul says in Galatians 5, 6, walking by the Spirit and not gratifying the desires of our flesh. As soon as I turn and gratify the desires of my flesh, man, that fellowship with God is gone. It's broken. And so how do I know if, if God is saying, go there and preach there or say this to them or do this or in, in his leading in us. How do I know that? If I'm, if I'm gratifying the desires of my flesh rather than walking by his Holy Spirit. Romans 5.25 is similar. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Man, if you have the Spirit of God inside you, if you're saved, then walk that way. 
follow him and follow his leading and follow his guidance and, and, and go where he's leading you to go, not where your flesh is leading you to go. Walk that way. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. And this is a great reminder as we talk about being walking by the spirit. It says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. He gives us this incredible picture. What happens when we're drunk with wine? We're directed by that, right? We're controlled by that. That's a substance that's controlling us, right? It's controlling our mind. It's controlling our actions. It's controlling us if we're drunk with wine. And what Paul's saying is don't be drunk with wine. Don't be controlled by a substance like that. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the original language, what that means is keep keeping filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep keeping yourself filled with the Holy Spirit. Coming to him, being in the word and reading the word and and coming before the Lord and, and, and spending time in prayer and just being with God and allowing his spirit to work in us and and keeping ourselves filled. What happens is we'll have some spiritual high, even if it's just like a weekly church service, right? We'll come in, man, I love that song, God Almighty, the bridge to that song. Man, the first time I heard it on Chris Tomlin's CD, it's just like, I, clo- I, I, I closed my eyes and, and uh, hmm, I just sang it, didn't I? Uh-huh. Hide my eyes with my face to the ground in the presence of your majesty. I clap my hands and I lay my crowns in the presence of your majesty. Man, I hear that, and I'm just stirred. And maybe you come into church, and you hear something like that, or you sing something like that, or you see a passage of Scripture, you hear a passage of Scripture, and you're just like, man, I'm stirred, I want that. And you feel the Spirit working inside of you, and confess your sins, and, and, and you repent of those sins, and, and you just have this incredible time with the Lord. But what Scripture teaches us is, that is not going to, allow you to just walk by the spirit we have to keep keeping filled we have to go and and continue to spend time with the lord we have to go and continue to worship him even through song and we have to continue to to be in his word and pray and and so that we're keeping ourselves filled with the holy spirit so that as galatians says we are led by his spirit which looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control not the, the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 7, um, when it talks about that, it says, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Um, it's another name for the Holy Spirit, but it's also an affirmation here um, of, of Jesus' deity, of just affirming that Jesus is God. Um, and it's God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that that prevented them from going and just affirming that Jesus is God and he came in flesh and he lived among us and he lived this perfect life and then he gave that life so that that perfection can be credited to us if we just believe in the death that he died for us that it can be credited to us so that in God's sight we're clean and we're forgiven verse 8 he goes on and says so Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Actually, I'm going to have you put a slide up on the screen here real quick. Um, kind of small words, I understand. But if you look at uh, the top left corner of Asia, see that? That's Troas. That's where they ended up going. And uh, that's kind of a little um, port town. Okay. Um, and if you follow that up, we're going to get to these verses next. So 
You see that little island that the line takes you to? You see that, everybody? You can say yes, it's okay. It's a little tiny island that looks like an island up there. Um, th- that's, that's actually where we're getting to uh, in verse 11 coming up, but, but that's Samothrace. You don't have the name of it up there. Yes, you do. Really big letters. I've never seen that on there before. Um, but they're not bold. That's why. So that's the island that they stop on, and then it follows along to Neapolis and Philippi. Okay, so you have a picture of, of where they're going. But So it says that they, they went down to Troas, and in Troas, we're picking up in verse 9, it says this, um, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, um, some kind of vision, some kind of appearance of a man comes to Paul at night. All right. And and in this vision, he says, come like he has this vision. He sees this guy and he says, this guy's saying to him, come over to Macedonia, preach the gospel to us. Come and and tell us this good news. Now, this is a place that the gospel had not yet been preached. Uh, it, it had not been taken there yet. And so um, in this vision, Paul sees this and 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 from that concludes that God is leading them and guiding them to go to this other place. And so um, as you look through scripture, there's other places where uh, God speaks through visions or God speaks through dreams. And this is another one of those circumstances where God literally speaks to Paul. He urges Paul and calls Paul to go to this place um, in a vision and in a dream. And so um, in verse 9, it says that, that he has this vision. In verse 10, it says that when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, um, this is important. One side note real quick, actually. Um, it's the first time, if you notice in verse 10, it says uh, immediately we sought to go. This is the first time where this word is used, we um, in Acts this way, which is, is signaling us probably that this is where Luke, the author of Acts, kind of picks up the journey with Paul and Silas and Timothy. Okay, So probably from here on out is where Luke has joined with them, the writer of Acts, and is an eyewitness um, from here on out. Okay, And so um, he joins with them, but it says here, um, when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I think this is important um, because here's the here's the call that they're receiving is to go into a place that's never heard the gospel before, go into a different land and preach the gospel. And their response was, the best we can tell, this is God telling us to do it. And their answer to that was, yes, we'll go. And I thought about this passage in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 9, verse 35, um, it's it's where uh, Jesus takes three of the disciples up on this mountain. And in the Bible, you see it's it's called the mountain. You know, it's called the transfiguration is the title that you'll, you'll see in the scriptures. Um, and that's just kind of a subtitle that's that's been added. OK, it's not a part of the scriptures itself. Just kind of gives us some cues. OK, um, but in that passage in Luke uh, chapter nine, verse thirty five, it says uh, that Jesus is transfigured. OK, he's transformed into this glorious state and. And here's Peter and James and John, and they're looking on this. And you got to imagine these guys are just bewildered and frightened and scared and amazed. And I mean, here's Jesus. He's just been transformed into this like heavenly state. And they've never seen anything like this before. 
And all of a sudden, this light shines around them, and this voice comes from him. It's the voice of God the Father. And he says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Now, imagine that would, that would transform you at that moment. I mean, <laughs> anything that Jesus said from then on, I'm like taking notes, and, and I'm going to do whatever he says. And I, I just... I think that about Paul and, and Timothy and Silas and, and Luke here in this, this circumstance. Here's this circumstance where, where God comes to them and says, I want you to go to this place that no one's ever gone with the gospel before. And I want you to tell them. I want you to, I want you to come over to Macedonia and preach the gospel. And their conclusion is, God's called us to do this. We'll do it. We'll go. We don't know what's, we don't know what's on the other side of, of the water. We don't know what's on the other side when we get off of the boat. We don't know what's going to happen there. We don't know what God's leading us to. We know that God's led us to persecution before. We know that he's led us to being um, stoned and, and, and imprisoned and all these things. We don't know what's to come in this one. We just know he's calling us to go. We just know that he said to go, and so we're going to listen to the voice of the Lord, and we're going to do what he's calling us to do. And, and whatever comes of it, that comes of it. Whatever happens happens we want to follow the lord we want to obey the voice of the lord and so it says in uh verse 11 says so setting sail from troas we made a direct voyage to samothrace and the following day to neopolis okay uh so they they land at this island they spend the night and they go on um to neopolis and from there to philippi which is a leading city of the district of macedonia and a roman colony we remained in this city some days now philippi um is this great city okay and in it and here's your homework um if you will do it uh this week is is that's 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 where you know that's the church that that paul wrote the letter of philippians to. okay so the church that ends up being established here that's the letter of philippians that's who paul's writing to and so It'd be good to go home, okay, this week, sometime. It doesn't take long to read through the book of Philippians. Probably, I'm going to give you a high number here, probably 25 minutes, okay? I'm going to say 25 minutes. So it won't take long, um, but it'd be good for you to read and just kind of see, okay, what's Paul saying to this church now later on that is, is established in Philippi? In verse 13, it says... Um, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now, um, this is different than their regular Sabbath routine, okay? Their usual Sabbath routine is they go into a, a temple, a synagogue, and then they would sit down. If they're asked to preach, they would preach. Uh, this is different. And and Philippi is a different place. It's a different world, really. I mean, they've gone from Asia now to Europe, okay? And it's this, this great city, and, and things are completely different. And so uh, it seems like there's not much of a Jewish um, influence, and, and, and not many Jewish people are even there. And so um, there's no synagogues that they're going to find. And, and so instead of that, they find the next best thing. What it says is they find this prayer meeting that's taking place down next to the river. And so they join up with this prayer meeting. And, uh, and as they go there, um, on the Sabbath, we, uh, we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. And that figure? The women. Guys? Okay. 
same today, isn't it? It's the same today. The women leading spiritually and setting the bar high for us. Um, guys, you gotta gotta be the leaders, okay? Um, There's a whole nother sermon. If it's not written down here, then I'm gonna press on. Okay. Uh, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Uh, now, the city of Thyatira was known for uh, this very expensive purple dyes, okay? And so the fact that Lydia was a seller of um, purple linen from, and she was from Thyatira probably meant that she was wealthy, um, had wealth. And, and, and so here's this, this woman, Lydia, who's a part of this prayer meeting, and, and she was a worshiper of God. Now, that doesn't mean... Uh, that she was saved. It doesn't mean that she's a follower of Christ. In fact, we find out in a few seconds here that she was not a follower of Christ. And remember, we've had this before, okay? When when Peter was sent to the house of Cornelius and he was a worshiper of God, but he didn't know the message that Christ had come to set him free from his sins, that Christ had come to set him free from all of this um, bondage that he has in sin and that, that there's freedom in Christ and that if he trusts in Christ and only if he trusts in Christ, that he could be forgiven from his sins and spend eternity with God. But what we can know is that she was genuinely seeking God. Just like Cornelius, Cornelius was genuinely seeking God, so much so that God heard his prayers, called Peter to go so that Peter could give the true message of the gospel to him so that he believed the truth and could be saved. We can trust the same thing for Lydia. She's a worshiper of God. She's genuinely seeking God. And so God makes a way for her to hear the truth about Jesus Christ and since Paul and Silas and Timothy. And so it says that um, Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, was a worshiper of God, was there. And it says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Let me read that part again. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Um, This is hugely important okay uh, because we, we have to understand from scripture and you see it over and over and over we're going to show you a couple references but it's god it's the supernatural work of god and not the uh the nice words or the eloquence or the powerful preaching or whatever of a preacher it's not that it's god that opens up the heart i could talk all day long i could talk trust me i mean talk to people i could talk to you all day long it would do no good unless god opens the heart it's the lord who opens the heart in fact a couple of verses um second corinthians 4 verse 6 and and i encourage you to write this down okay because uh, these are some verses to know second corinthians 4 verse 6 you can look it up and and study it later but it says for god who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Just two verses earlier, it says... um, that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of God, period. That's where it ends. Um, 
But God has shown in our hearts so that we have seen it and we do see it. And it's the same idea of what's happening here in Acts 16. Yes, the gospel's preached. Uh, the word of God is presented. But it's God who flips the switch and turns on the light so that there's understanding, so that, so that, that people can comprehend and understand this good news that Jesus Christ is the way and, and he is the truth and he is the life and he is... He's truly salvation for those to who, who believe. It's God that turns the light on. Acts 13, verse 48, a, a verse that we covered uh, a couple months ago. It says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Now, what is this in that sentence is this, this sermon that has been preached to them by Paul um, about the gospel, okay, about Jesus Christ, about the good news of what Jesus has done. And when they heard it, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Those that God turned the lights on for, those that God opened their hearts, opened their ears, the way it says um, in, in, uh, in Acts 16, those that, opened, that the Lord opened their hearts, they believed and they were saved. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 and 7 um, says this. It's Paul, and he says, I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. It's this picture of, yeah, there are people that God uses. There are, there are, there are pastors. There are um, lay people in the congregation who go up and, 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 and tell the good news, the gospel, the word of God to friends or family or neighbors or whatever. There's people that God uses, but you've got to picture those people as um, people who are just kind of spreading seed or watering seed in a garden, they're going along, but it's God who allows the growth. It's God who makes that grow. It's God who um, gives the growth. That's what Paul's saying. And so God's the one who gets the glory. God's the one who's glorified because he's the one that's working and opening hearts. I mean, I don't know if you've talked to people before, and, and you may be this person, okay? Um, but I've talked to so many people who have said, man, I was opposed to the Bible. I was opposed to God. I was opposed to Christ. I, and in fact, I would try to read the Bible and it was gibberish. It didn't make any sense to me. It was just, it was ridiculous. It was just foolishness. And then one day the lights came on and I understood and believed. And now I read the Bible and it just makes total sense. And, and it's, it's God working in me and teaching me and that is the exact picture of what happened to Lydia. I mean, Lydia knew some. She knew there was a God and she was seeking him as, as best as she could. But as the gospel, the good news is preached to her, God says, believe. And she believes. And then it's just like floodgates of now I get it. And, and, and Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. So she believes. Verse 15, it says, um, after she was baptized in her whole household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. After she was baptized, immediately she believes, and there is this response of obedience. Now, see, the first thing that, that, that Scripture tells us, the first thing that Christ said that we ought to do when we're saved is obey through baptism. It doesn't save us. It doesn't do anything miraculous to, to literally now wash the sins off of us. It's a picture. 
It's a picture of, number one, obedience, that Christ said I ought to do this. I ought to be baptized because I trusted him and I believe him. And here's a picture to, to those around me of what God has already done in my heart, what he's already done in my life. He's, he's completely washed sins away. And now here's a picture for you of, of what that looks like. I'm going underwater, and, and, and that's a picture of me dying to my old self, and I'm coming up to new life. But it's obedience. It's obedience. And, and some of you, man, if you've never been baptized, but you've, you've trusted Christ, you've, you've, you've begun following Christ, and you've never been baptized because you thought maybe it's not important, or man, it is important because Scripture tells us to do it. And, and, and I'm not, I would never stand up here and tell you, if you're not baptized, you're not saved. I would never say that. Scripture doesn't say that. Um, it doesn't refer that way any time that, okay, it, it's, it's, we believe and we're baptized. However, okay, I would ask you this. If Jesus came to you and said, do you believe me? Yes, I believe you. You believe on the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, I totally believe. You believe I'm the Lord of all things. Yes, I totally believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. You're the Lord of my life. And he said, the first thing I want you to do is this. And we said, uh, I don't think that's very important. What does that show then about our answer to the first questions? If we really believe he's master, if we really believe he's Lord, and then he told us, then be baptized. Be baptized so that people can see, so that people know, so that so that you're saying and stepping out in faith that I believe this, Lord, and I'm going to follow through with it. I want to be baptized so that, so that I can show others and so that I can show you that this faith is genuine. I trust you. I believe you. And so they're baptized, and it says that um, Lydia and her whole household as well. Now, that could include servants, um, could just include husband and family but here's here's one thing okay that that we can know from this passage they believed too okay Uh, if they were baptized they believed too or paul wouldn't have baptized them or silas or timothy or whoever baptized them or someone else wouldn't have baptized them this is a passage where uh, it can be taken and some have taken it and said well this then is um, proof of infant baptism and we should baptize infants because lydia believed and then the whole household was baptized but we can't go that far. And here's a couple reasons why. Scripture tells us that we believe first and then we're baptized. Okay? Um, and so I don't think Scripture, we go against Scripture, right? Uh, secondly is, where in this passage does it say how old the kids are? <laughs> right? It doesn't. So for us to take from this that there's infant baptism, we don't even know if there's infants, is a, is a, is a real stretch. And so if, you, if you've heard that or you see that, be very careful with that because this doesn't infer that in any way. In fact, you have to weigh Scripture with Scripture. You have to look at other passages. And if other passages teach us that we believe and follow and then the first act of obedience is baptism, then, then we've got to weigh verses like this with that. And so what we have to assume then is Paul opened, or God opened Lydia's heart and she believed, but God opened her family's heart as they heard the message as well and that they believed and therefore she was baptized and maybe it was she was baptized and because of her faith and her testimony then her family believed and they were baptized as well but we as we weigh it with scripture it's belief we believe in god we trust god we follow god and then we're baptized in fact 
Jesus says at the end of Matthew, right? He says, go into all nations and... I'm doing Mark 16. Uh, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Ho- and, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always. Any time that baptism is referred to, you look here, you look in Acts 3, you look uh, throughout Scripture, any time that it talks about baptism, it's always connected with genuine faith, with genuine belief, with genuine discipleship, okay? And so it's not teaching us anything else um, from that. A couple of things I want to talk about, though, um, from this passage before we close uh, I want us just to notice, and this will only take a second, but what happens throughout this passage. Um, Paul and Silas and Timothy begin this journey, and, and as they're going with this great purpose, right, this great heart and this great cause of preaching the gospel, they're going to go and preach the gospel just as they already have in, in other places. The Lord closes the door. Now, I don't know if that was discouraging to them. I don't know if that was confusing to them. I don't know, okay? It doesn't tell us that they were discouraged or anything like that. I don't know what the responses of them were. But he closes the door. And not just once, as they go on to the next place, he closes the door again. And so it's just like it's, they go and they run into a wall, and then they go and they run into the wall again. And here's this great cause, this great purpose. Lord, I want to do this great thing for you. And it's nope. And they go further, and it's nope. But they didn't stop. They didn't stop listening to the Holy Spirit. They didn't stop obeying the Holy Spirit. They didn't stop following the Holy Spirit. They were led by the Holy Spirit, and so they kept going. And, and one of the things we have to be careful of is, is getting caught up with the God said no, or the Holy Spirit said no, and how did he say no, and what, what did he do, and, and how was he speaking, and all. We, we shouldn't get caught up in that. The no's were to get them to Lydia, the reason that he said no was to get them to Macedonia so that they could preach the gospel and this lady named Lydia's heart would be opened and this lady who had never heard the gospel before, her heart would be opened and she would believe in Christ. And so they didn't give up. They continue going. And, and my challenge is how many of you sometime in your life have had this unbelievable passion I mean, this fire, I mean, you came to know Christ and maybe you were way younger and whatever it was. At some point you remember, man, I, I, I got saved and I had this incredible passion. I had this incredible desire and I had this incredible want to, right? I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to be a part. I want him to use me to do these incredible things. But then you allowed these small little stumbling blocks to stop you. You, you ran into a wall where maybe God was saying, nope, I don't want you here. This is not where I want you to be working. This is not where I want to work through you. Keep going. And maybe you ran into a second wall. It was, no, nope, not here either. But instead of pressing on, instead of knowing that God is good and God is in control and God is sovereign over all things, instead of being like Paul and Silas and Timothy, you gave up. And you got discouraged and you said, well, I guess God's not going to use me after all. Or I guess that maybe I'm not gifted this way. Or I guess I'm not this. Or I guess I'm not this. And instead of just pressing on and pressing on and pressing on and saying, God, whatever it is, I just want to live for your glory. Wherever you use me or wherever you don't use me, I just want to live for your glory. I want to keep, I want to keep going with you. And, and, and my prayer is, God, that one day you're going 
You're going to open up the door and you're going to say, preach the gospel here and I'm going to preach and you're going to open hearts and people are going to believe and it's going to be the most amazing, wonderful reward for continuing to follow you that I've ever experienced. That was the case for Paul and Silas and Timothy. I mean, they, they hit this wall and they hit this wall, but they just keep following. And God finally, he says, go here and preach the gospel. And they do. And there's this incredible response. They wouldn't have been a part of that if they gave up. They wouldn't have been a part of that if they got discouraged. They wouldn't have been a part of that if they just threw in the towel and said, forget it. If you're just going to say no to everything, they wouldn't have experienced that. You know, it's, it's kind of a simple uh, illustration, but it's fun for me. Um, at Halloween, I don't think I've told you this, but if I have, do you like this? And you're just like, oh, that's an awesome story. Um, Halloween, Leif wanted to be Bible Man. Um, does anybody know who Bible Man is? He's not a very popular superhero. I'm going to be real honest, okay? But he's out there doing his stuff. Um, purple cape, purple, black, yellow mask. You've probably seen him around. Uh, Bible man. He wanted to be Bible man. Oh, that's totally cool. Got him a, you know, we had already gotten this Bible man mask and cape and the sword. That's representative of the Bible. Anyway, um, he wants to be Bible man. So we dressed him up like Bible man. I was out of town, so I shouldn't say we. Uh, Shauna dressed him up like Bible man. And he goes out. The first place they go is to pick up Alden from school. They wanted to wear their costumes, so why not? Um, and they go, and these kids come up to Leif, and they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Bible man. No kidding, that's the response. Bible man? And I'm like, that's beautiful. That's persecution, five-year-old persecution right there. <laughs> and so here's the thing. Leif could have given up, right? He could have said, I don't want to be Bible man tonight. That's embarrassing. People laugh when you're Bible man. People point and people mock you and, and all this stuff. But he didn't, right? He kept going and he was still Bible man and he got this big bag full of candy, okay? Now here's how I'm going to connect this, all right? Guys, that's a real simple way of saying this, okay, on a five-year-old level. Uh, some of you have had these dreams. Some of you had this passion. Some of you had this incredible desire to do and be used by God to do incredible things for his kingdom. And you've given up on those things, whether it's it's the Galatians situation where you just took your eyes off the Holy Spirit, you stopped listening to the Holy Spirit, and you're letting your earthly desires kind of consume you and direct you and, and, and have their way in your life, or maybe you just got discouraged and you threw in the towel and gave up because it's just too much. Whatever it is, guys, that's not the right response. And God still, still uses people. Just like he did with Paul and Silas and Timothy. And he's still calling people. And he's still working and moving through people. And I'm telling you, you want to be a part of that. And if at any point you've given up, my, my challenge to you this morning is, as we, as we're going to worship some more, that you would turn back to the Lord. This morning, you, your response would be this, Lord, I, I do want that. And yeah, it's been me. I'm the one that stopped. I'm the one that gave up. I'm the one that started, stopped reading. I'm the one that started doing this instead. I'm the one that made this more important in my life. I confess it. I repent from it. Your word says, Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess, he's faithful and he's just to forgive you and cleanse you. Acts 3, um, 19 says, uh, therefore repent and return so that 
your sins may be forgiven and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Man, if that's you, then that's what you need to do this morning. And as we sing, don't get caught up in, I need to sing or people are going to think I'm praying. Big deal. People will celebrate the fact that you're praying, okay? And, And it's time that you repent and get right and get that passion back and live for God and not for yourself. And live for his purposes and his glory so that your life looks a lot more like Paul and Timothy and Silas and not just this normal life. My challenge is today that you do that. Another thing, and it's just something we mentioned in the sermon, but man, if if that was you or it wasn't you, but you've been at a point in your life where you've said, man, I believe and I'm following, but you've never been baptized, you got to do that. You got to do it. It's just obedience and, and you've got to obey. If we're following God, then you've got to obey. OK, and if you've never done that, then on your connect card, write that. OK, write your name and your number and information, how I can get a hold of you. But on the back of the connect card, just say, I need to get baptized and I'll contact you this week. We'll touch base and we'll get it scheduled. and We'll find a place and we'll do it and we'll, we'll get it taken care of out of obedience to the Lord. What a worshipful thing, right? Today that you just make the decision, or I haven't obeyed you, I'm going to obey you. What a worshipful, worshipful thing for you to do this morning. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul and Silas and Timothy. We confess that they're just servants. They're no greater than we are. In fact, you say in James that Elijah was a man exactly like us in nature. He had a nature just like us. He was He didn't have superpowers. Paul didn't have superpowers. These guys didn't have superpowers. They had you. And they surrendered to you, God. And please, I pray, God, for myself and for every person here, help us to not believe the lie that we're different. If we are forgiven, we're forgiven. If we're saved, we are saved. And your Holy Spirit dwells in us. And and we may have grieved your spirit, Lord. We may have quenched your spirit. But God, I pray that today would be a time of renewal, a time of revival, a time where we confess. And we believe your word that says if we confess, we're completely clean. I pray for that, God. And that you would stir in us a passion, maybe again a passion for you and for what you desire in our life, Lord. We pray it in your son's name. Amen.